Welcome to Kringle Talks Football. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Kringle Talks Football, where literally anything and everything goes. My name is Chris Kringle at Miss CJ Wright on Twitter and on YouTube where you can follow my videos where I discuss the ins and outs of Arsenal whether it's high or low right now it's very low but let's let's forget that right now however I am joined by my cousin-in-law and fellow Arsenal supporter Adam good morning Adam how are we I'm fine thank you very much and yourself Mr Kringle I'm not happy at all I'm not happy at all because right now as you're aware, you're very well aware as well as I am, that we are in a very bad place as Arsenal fans. We're like currently 15th in the Premier League and we just can't find a way to win the games. We Since since beating Man United at Old Trafford, we've won one, drawn one and lost seven. We're including four consecutive games at home. Tell me, what, what's happened? One, I think the players are just simply not good enough. Two, this has been years of neglect from the board to where they haven't invested in the team, they haven't backed past managers, they got really comfortable with Wenger with the teams he had and he was constantly getting top four, which that was our only requirement. The board just forgot about competing for the league, trying to win trophies, they just got contempt in or guy that's just constantly getting them top four Champions League football every season and now we're just paying the... We're paying the prices of years of neglect. It's nothing to do with Arteta. I feel he's just coming at a very difficult time. He's a young, inexperienced manager to where he's going to be... Granted, he's going to make a lot of mistakes. But I also believe Arteta's the type of manager that he's a lot of... He self-analyses himself quite a bit. So based on the mistakes he makes, I know he will look, go back, look at it and amend it. Yeah. So, given time, I do believe he'll be a great manager. It's just, will the board back him to be that? You mentioned earlier, a minute ago, about um, the neglect from the board. And, you know, quote me if I'm wrong, but under the Wenger era towards the end, you were very vocal about wanting him out, right? I wanted Wenger out. But do you now look back at that maybe and think that he overachieved with the squads he had? Get in top four. Let's say, for instance, with the likes of Shamak. If you're going to put it in terms of football, what they're doing on the pitch, you can possibly say he achieved, overachieved with the type of squad he had. But did Wenger have the club's best interest at heart, where he's constantly defending the board? I think you can look at it both ways. I think, yeah, you can say no, because he should have at various times maybe come out and called out the board for not backing him enough. But then I also think he looked at it maybe as if He's saying this now, though. He's no, he's saying on, it now, yeah. He's gone when he's saying if he had the money that he, exactly. Arteta has spent, yes. he would have done more. So when you had the opportunity to do so and confront the board and ask them for the extra money to spend on players, yeah. why did you not do it? Why would you do it after you leave the club? This is a typical Wenger in regards to the past signings we could have made. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think there's a bit of, you know, we've had this discussion. I think there's a bit of... 
problems, especially with the the stadium at the time and him covering him. I don't want to hear anything if I'm being honest to do with the stadium. Tottenham, you and I have had this discussion on many occasions. Many discussions. Tottenham, they've just got themselves a new stadium. Yeah. They're still going out there. They're in millions of pounds of debts. I don't know how much they're in debt, but they're still going out there and they're still signing players. Yeah, they're still getting a manager, backing the manager, get signing the players he would like and look where they're sitting now, top of the table. Yeah, but so there's no excuse to turn around and say, oh yeah, we, were, we went from a new st- our old stadium to our new one. We was promised upon going to this new stadium, we're going to compete with the likes we of was, Bayern. We was. Not have them come to our home and smack us 5-1. Is that, is that not on Ivan Gazidis, though, that piece of shit? He, it's on everyone. He was the one that made that statement, right? He made He's the one that made that statement. Wenger knew, Wenger knew full well that we would have to go through a transition period. And yet Gazida still came out and said, we're going to be able to compete with the best. Right. He didn't say when. He didn't say, give us 20 years, because we've now been in this stadium for 14 years. Yeah, You saw the stat on Sky Sports. Mm. We've played as many games at the Emirates at home as we have played at Highbury in the Premier League. Yeah, So... And the, the identical, the records were quite was quite astonishing. They're exactly identical. But Gazidis, Gazidis is the one that said, we're going to be able to compete with the likes of Bayern, with Barca. But he never put a timescale on it. Wenger knew full well. Unless he was back from the board, which he wasn't, they'd have to sell players against his will. He didn't want to sell them, let's be fair. You can say, he, you know he didn't want to sell the players that he had. If we'd have kept them players, you can probably say we'd have won a Premier League at some point. But he was forced to sell him because the board wouldn't back him. Now, if he, for me, yeah, if I was Wenger at that point, I would have walked many times. For me, that's where I have to stop you, where you're saying he felt he had to sell them. When you're selling your best striker to your biggest rivals, you've gifted them the league. I know. You can't turn around and tell me that's because the board didn't back him and he needed to raise some funds to sign, to sign other areas. No. You went, took our best player, signed him to our biggest rival, and then on top of that, we ha- later on in that season we gave them a guard of honor. The disrespect. I know. I can't. I can't. I can't disagree with that. I'm not gonna be honest. But I, you know what? When I look at it now, yeah. So I was like you. I towards the end anyway. I wanted Wenger out. It wasn't I wanted Wenger out at all costs. You know, I wasn't wasn't one of these fickle fans who were walking around with them big banners saying fourth place is not a trophy flying banners over the fucking stadiums looking like like we're some pieces of shit club the irony now exactly everyone wants exactly us. fourth place everybody every manager Klopp Pep Mourinho Poch every single manager since Wenger said that and he got laughed at by the media has said our first priority is top four if we can do anything above that and obviously if we've got a good enough squad then we'll win the league but our main priority is top four and Wenger got laughed at it time and time again. Since he's left, Emery didn't get backed, in my opinion, enough with mm. the board player people around him. They put in a structure around him with Mislintat and Raul Senyehi. Raul Senyehi, who's never done a job like that as director of football. Mislintat, who was a recruitment man, but wanted to become the director of football. Let's be fair, director of football, when you look at, say, Monchi, who's at Sevilla, who went to Roma, was at Sevilla before, went to Roma, came back to Sevilla, and the job he does as director of football, Mislintat should have been that man. Raul Sanyehi was that man because Gazidis, as he was leaving the fucking club, the piece of shit, says to the board, this is the man I want as director of football. Nothing more on a recommendation. Where in any other situation of any other industry do you find a man says, he's the man for you. 
He's got no experience, but mm. he's the man for you. Emery was failed by the board and by the infrastructure around him. Freddie, to some certain extent, even though he was only interim, was also failed. The fact that he was given no coaching staff. Man had Perma Saka come off the bloody academy role to sit alongside him on the bench and we had a goalkeeping coach. We had three men on the bench. Freddie, Pear, and I think his name was Sal Bebo and since left the club. And then Arteta, yeah, don't get me wrong, he's, he's been given his coaching staff. He's got Albert, uh, I can't pronounce his name, Steve Round, um, what's the other guy? There's, there's two other Spanish guys he's got, and I think he's got five staff around him. Mm. But he's not got a proper person next to him still, a footballing person who knows what to do and how to guide him. Edu. But would you say that's Arteta's fault as he's been given the opportunity to build his backroom staff? Yes. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a bit of both. I think Arteta, I think maybe he didn't want an ego alongside him. I don't think he wanted somebody who's got a big ego alongside him. But at the same time, look, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about when um, Terry Venables was advisor to Leeds back, you know, however long ago it was. And everyone looked at it as a really bad thing because it's an ex-manager you know, who's a big man, big big name in the game, becoming an advisor, simply an advisor. But people fail to realise that that's what he wanted to do. He was happy to do that. Simply lend a voice. Lend a voice to a manager who was maybe struggling at the time. And it worked and it helped him. I don't see why Arteta can't have somebody like that. I feel Arteta does need somebody like that. At the end of the day, he's at the beginning of his managerial career. He's 38 years old. Yeah. He's going to make, like I say, I can't stress this enough. He's going to make a lot of mistakes along Absolutely. the way. He's already making them now. He's making them now, which is better for him to make at yeah. the beginning so he can learn from it. But if he is going to go, he needs someone with a bit more experience yes. beside him, like yes. you said. I Listen, because at the end of the day, I rate him highly. I think, you know, the way he speaks, the way in which, especially, you know, people are going to look at it negatively, the way we sat up against the likes of Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool towards the latter end of the season, and we won all three of those games. We didn't play great football, but we we worked around it. We were able to work around what they offered us. For me, what I said, you know, I've, I've said this, against the big clubs now, if we go in uh, against, let's say, the top six now, yeah, I feel more confident in those games. Yeah. As opposed to if we're going against someone in the bottom half of the table. I agree. We're better as the underdogs at the moment then, than yeah. the big boy, yeah. the big boys. And to be fair, right now, we're still not even winning them games. We lost to Leicester at home, albeit, albeit Leicester found us out. We could have won that game. We had plenty of chances. Like we mentioned before, we had this discussion before. Lacazette had many chances and he missed them. We had, you know, we could have been 2-3 up that game before Vardy even came on the pitch. You know, against and it was an over. No, of course it was. I remember that ball. game distinctively, just for the simple fact of I was disappointed in Arteta's tactics. Yeah, I remember you said that. I kept noticing he was pushing every time he was in possession. You had Sabios and Shaka, Shaka pushing back into left back. Yeah, and right and right back. back. Yeah. So the actual right back no and back go forward. Yeah. So we had no space in the midfield no. whatsoever. We had no one to pass. We've just got all our players just spreading out wide. Yeah. But We've there's no, no one in link. the middle. We've got no link. between. And I think, look, I think you can see there's a part of me that thinks that Arteta is playing this way because he knows full well that neither Xhaka nor Sabayos can be that link in the midfield. But you see Sabayos in his last two games when he's been coming on, 
he's been looking like the biggest problem in the middle every time yes. he comes on. But do you he picks f- up the ball, yeah. he goes forward, he tries to pick the passes out. I agree, but do you not also think that's because the teams that we've played against are just sitting in deep and allowing him this time on the ball? Because I think if you looked at, I think, you know, after his game last season against Burnley, right at the start of the season, everyone said, wow, what a player, you know, he can play in tight spaces. After that game, he didn't play well for about six or seven games because teams pressed him too quickly enough and he got found out. And against Tottenham last week, against you know Burnley on Sunday, just gone, we had the ball. We had the, all the ball. All right, so he so just basically picked the ball up. And to be fair, against Spurs, he gave the ball away a couple of times. He passed it out. And against Burnley, he gave the ball to them because he tried it. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy for him to try it. I want him to try it. I want our players to you're, look for the passes. Yeah. So if you want your players to look for the passes, you, you're going to have to accept that at times they're going to make mistakes. Yeah. I think, you know, you, look, we, we've been linked, and I said it in my YouTube video the other day, we've been linked with Husamawa in the summer, and again in January, we've been linked with Emi Buendia from Norwich, who I think, you know, last season was in the top five creators in the whole of top Europe. Three. Top was three. In top three in the league, to my yeah, knowledge. And top five in out of the whole of Europe. He was just behind Grealish and De Bruyne. Yeah, if I'm so, mistaken. you know, Arteta's clearly identifying attacking creative players who can be the link you know imagine if we got both of those two players and I understand that but you've got a much better we've got much better link in terms of the midfield so then uh, who do you drop out of this current 11 to add in the AM to the creative link I'll answer that in a second and I think what I will say is I'll bring up quickly Arteta's interview with Spanish media a couple of weeks ago where he said he needs five or six positions I said this to you the other day didn't I yeah right back you know, we've been talking about a right centre-back, two central midfielders or attacking midfielders, yeah? A right winger or he, David Ornstein has mentioned a, uh, an attacking midfielder who can also play on the right. And then I think for him, I think he wants a striker. I personally think he wants to put Aubameyang back on the left. I think Aubameyang, he's most suited on the left. When you put him on the in the middle, he doesn't really have no. that much involvement in the game. No. A lot of his goals for Arsenal have all come from the left. It has. So, my thing is, I'm seeing a lot of Arsenal fans on Twitter trying to slaughter Arteta for not putting Aubameyang up top. Saying, oh, let's put him up top. But Aubameyang, since joining Arsenal, has played nothing on the left and he's been keeping up with all the other top goal scorers in the league. Up until he moved positions, or up until he stopped scoring against United, he, I think his goal-to-game ratio was the best out of any Arsenal player. Since his arrival, the rival scored more than any other player, including Kane, including Salah, including Mane, including Sterling. And I had this conversation with a Tottenham friend of mine who hopefully one day I'll get on the show, we'll we'll have this discussion in depth. But he was saying, you know, how can you compare Kane to a Bamiang? And I was like, but you can't. One's playing straight through the middle, getting service, and the other one's playing on the left, getting no service whatsoever, and yet he's still outscoring him. Don't get me wrong, I don't look into all this XG and how many goals he's expected to score, but he's been. At Dortmund, he was outperforming his XG. At Arsenal, he was well outperforming his XG. But I'm going to go back to what you said about um, who I would drop. To be fair, there's a lot of players I would drop from this side. If I wanted to really, I'd drop Bellerin. I'd drop Xhaka. I'd drop no, Elneny, Sabayos. Oh, Elneny. I thought Elneny, since coming back from loan, he's been on one of one of our best centre mids. You know what? I agree. Listen, I agree. But then it's also the fact that he his passing so his passing ranges in the Europa League is always forward because he gets more time on the ball and there's a lot more space because you know the teams are playing let's be frank they're not very good Dundalk Rapid Vienna and Molda are pretty damn shit yeah we won all six games playing our kids and playing a couple of experienced players however you put him in a side against 
Tottenham or against, you know, let's say, God forbid, God forbid, Burnley or Wolves or Villa, and the teams are not giving us space whatsoever. El Nenny reverts back to his ways when he was under Wenger and when every every Arsenal fan basically went, yeah, he's not actually that very good because what he would do is he'd get the ball, he'd pass it slightly forward, but he'd get the ball back and pass it sideways. Or he'd pass it back and he'd move into position. Don't get me wrong, I love the fact that he's got all the energy in the world. I love the fact he's got the spirit and the passion. I, under- I understand what you're saying. But as a technical footballer, I've been watching, not great. I've been watching a lot of Arsenal games and I feel the players... They don't give the option to pass forward. They don't. No, they don't. They don't You're give right. no option You're to right. pass forward. You'll see the player on the ball. He's trying to look for the pot. I've seen Turney do it a few times. I've even seen, like I said, El Nene. I've seen him do it a few times. They're trying to look for the pass forward. And there's nothing. There's no movement yep. going on. There's no runs being made to where they'll be like, oh, let me play that cheeky ball over the top. Yep. They can't no, do none of that, that because there's no movement no. up top. So... And- the only option for them to is it to pass, pass it yeah. sideways or to pass it back. But I don't look. I don't think El Nani's really got that in his game though. He's got a long shot in his game. You know, if he's further up the pitch, he can he can play the passes. It's, he's not got the distribution from deep. And if you want him to be your deepest player, he's not the player that you're wanting to start the the possession off. You look you look at Party at a flipping, you know, one legged Thomas Party against uh, Tottenham when he before he came off. He was the only one that was driving with the ball through the midfield. He was bullying Troyberg and Sissoko. And I've got, again, Tottenham fans who was cussing him, saying he's not that good. But he bullied both of them for the whole of that first 45 minutes. And they couldn't get near him. The problem is, he was injured. Imagine a fully fit party with two players ahead of him who are also ball carriers, who are also players who can find the spaces in between the pockets. You know, all, all I've got to do is reference Bruno Fernandes at Man United. They, his injection in January, he came in. And he reinvigorated that team so much. All it takes is one player to mm. do that. All it takes is one player. Because let's be fair, I wouldn't swap our back four for their back four. Without being stupid, I really wouldn't. I would not. As much as I don't like Bellerin, I wouldn't swap him for Wan-Bissaka. Because I don't think Wan-Bissaka is a great player. He's been, he's been getting found out time and time again. Oh, defensively, he's probably the best right um, back. Yes. But standing up against player. If the ball's playing in behind him, you know, yes, he can create, he can get back on his... Um, uh, what's the bloody word? His acceleration. His recovery runs is fantastic. Going forward, it's like a deer in headlights. You know, look look at Luke Shaw. I mean, the less said on him, the better. You know, we've you know your cousins in Man United fans, brother-in-laws in Man United fans. How many times have we heard him cuss Luke Shaw to the nights? Luke Shaw, for me, he has no awareness around him. He, I've seen in the slightest. I've seen he's playing a left-sided centre back. It was in the uh, RB Leipzig game. Yeah, the team, the, his team's being pressed into their box, and I'm seeing the guys just slowly jogging back. Yeah, he's completely out of position, yeah. not in line with the rest of his centre backs, and then that's I see the Leipzig goal going from there. Exactly, but he that's has what I'm no saying. I wouldn't defensive swap, capabilities. I wouldn't swap Gabriel for Maguire. I think Maguire is shit. I think I Maguire really is extremely overrated. Him. You know, I, me, I me and you had this discussion with with uh, with MJ, my brother-in-law, your cousin, about Lindelof. I agree with him. I rate Lindelof. I think he's a good player. I think he's actually he's a lot better than Maguire. The problem is Maguire cost eighty million or eighty-five million pounds, so he's the one that gets all the headlines. When Man United don't concede, who is it? It's, oh, it's, look, look at Maguire. He's fantastic, but it's not just him. I think Lindelof is actually their best centre back. I don't think Lindelof is as good as you and. MJ are making them out to be making them out to be I just really 
I just don't see it. No, I'm, I'm trying to. I like. Yeah. I, I sit there. I watch the United games. I'll try to see it, but I just. You know don't. what? But my point is, without going too much into them, my point is, I wouldn't swap our back four for their back four. The problem is, or well, the difference is, they've got they brought in someone in January who they desperately needed an attacking midfielder who has contributed more than 30 goals since he came in in January. Whether that's goals or assists, we just need that one player. For, for me, me, for me, do you know what that is? It's more to do with Bruno's mentality than his actual oh yeah, playing abilities. Hundred percent. You see it. He's the type of I've seen. You just look at his reactions yeah. of seeing his teammates score. score a goal. Yeah, no, no. You can't question that in the slightest. He has 100%. had no involvement in the goal, but he just will seeing celebrate his, like he a celebrates. Madman. And you know, but the thing is, I watch Husamawa, and I don't watch him as much as you know other people do. I'm not one of these beat people who sit there and like night in night out watching YouTube videos on him. But every time I watch him, I look at him. He's you know he's 22 years old. He's captain of Leon, and you, you're not captain of a team. For me, I mean, people can go back and say that, yeah, well, Jack is captain of Switzerland and look at him. He was captain of Gladbach and look at him now. But Husamawa at 22 years old, where you've got other players at Lyon who you could probably say probably deserves more captaincy than he does. And he is the most creative player in all of Europe at the moment. Do you he creates 4.5 chances every single game. Do you reckon Lyon would accept a swap deal for Lacazette and a bit of money on top for Awa? I think so. Because he's a, he's a Lacazette's a Lyon man. He's been. That's. He's only ever he's been ever to two played, clubs. Exactly. Arsenal Leon and, and Leon. Exactly. I think they take him back, and I think, to be fair, I think they accept anything north of fifty million for him now. The way that his relationship with the club is going right now, uh, his his relationship with the club is not great yet. He's still captain because he's their best player, and I think if you put, it, I said this in my in my video yesterday that we need to go all out for Alwa. If we if we're going to show our tech at the back end that he's asking for from the board, we need to go all out in January for him. And but, if we don't. Then we go as much as we can for Buendia from Norwich. Is this going to be another case of with United and Bruno where they signed him six months too late? Well, for United, they were very fortunate well, yeah. to where they still made it top three. But the thing is, like, look, we said this the other day, you know, we're very fortunate because United so, drop points, City drop points, Tottenham drop points, Everton drop points, Chelsea drop points. You know, oh, no, uh, Chelsea drop points. Everton didn't, so Everton won against Chelsea. But all the teams, I want to say all the teams around us, they're not even around us. All the teams above us in that gap drop points. If we'd have won against Burnley, we'd only be six points off of top four. That's just, and then we've got Chelsea to come on Boxing Day. So you drop that, you then you you then reduce that gap to three points. Uh, looking at our new our fixtures coming up, our next know. five, our last five games, we haven't got a single win. Nope, we've lost three in a row now. Yep, in the league. Our next five, we've got Sheffield, Southampton tomorrow. I think that's going to be a defeat. Uh, I think that's going to be a defeat, but then it doesn't get easier because we're away to Goodison on Saturday. I think that's going to be a defeat. Then we're Boxing Day, we're hosting Chelsea. I I think that could be a, a draw or a win. And you that sounds silly, but I actually do think so, you know. I think... I'm actually scared to play Southampton. Oh, so am I. But then to be fair, like, I'm going to contradict myself slightly. I said to, to Siam and uh, again, your cousin, my brother-in-law, that I think we could actually pick up something against Southampton. I don't know why, but we've got Pepe kind of come back into the side who's going to give us just the biggest ray of light. You know, he could do nothing against them. We're going to have Hector does he start, nowhere near the squad. Does he start Pepe? That's the question. If he doesn't, you then got to start asking questions of the manager, for me personally. If he starts Willian mm. on tomorrow night, Southampton at home. Considering the good form he's been, I know it's Europa League. But still, listen, level you can of, only play the teams you're playing against, right? He's been he's been the best player. He's been the best player in Europe, uh, in the Europa League, sorry. But he has to come in. He has to start. 
without a shadow of doubt. For me, I'd even go back to type and have Pepe right, Aubameyang left, Lacazette through the middle, or even I'd have Nketiah through the middle. As much I'm not really a big fan of Nketiah, and I'd, lo- I'd rather look at... I like Nketiah. I like Nketiah. I like his ethic. I see him, he doesn't give the defenders time to rest. No. He presses uh, yes. so well. Yes. And that, leads to a lot, and that leads to a lot of his goals. The thing is, yeah, I you know, I got laughed at a couple of, a couple of times for, for even um, comparing him. But I compared him to Ian Wright only because Ian Wright was a penalty him. box. Actually, let, let, okay, let's go on a smaller scale. Jermaine Defoe, he was a penalty box striker. He wasn't a player that would run with the ball 20 yards and bang the goals in like, you know, like a Martial, Rashford the, or Aguero. The ball but at their Reed, feet, they're finishing. They can't, you can't question it. Mm. But then... You know, we've got to then start looking even more so down the line. You look at Balogun, we've only seen small little bits of him, but he already looks like a complete striker in terms of his hold-up play, his running with the ball, his agility and his finishing. His finishing on Thursday, his finish, the way he opened up his body. You know, he knew where the goal was. he, He knows where the goal is, you know. And the thing is with him, it's like he's far too good for the under-23s. He just turns up and he scores four goals without a question. So you've got to look at pushing him into the first team squad. Whether that's just on the bench for Premier League games, he doesn't get a game, fine. Give him the experience in and around the first team squad and make sure he learns from it. Because I think that's how Nketiah got his chance. Lacazette hadn't scored for like six or seven games last season. Nketiah came in, scored straight away against Southampton away. And everyone went, OK, cool, look, we can start rotating them because he's got a goal now in the Premier League. He knows what it feels like to score in the Premier League. Give Balogun that chance. Even if it means, you know, you know I say this... I'm with, disappointed he didn't start Balogun in the our last European League game. Yeah, I was... Qualified, yeah. We already had qualified top of our group. Yeah. I, think, I think his thing was he wanted to give... Enketia. Enketia, the chances he deserves. Because, listen, for all intents and purposes... Enketia's I, a top goal scorer exactly. at the moment. But I can't, I'm not going to say, listen, he should be dropped. If it was me personally, I'd drop Lacazette from the squad completely and have just them two fighting for the place. What do you think of Lacazette playing in that deeper role? <sighs> Against Rapid Vienna, I was all for it because he played fantastic. You know, he's playing. But then, like I said earlier in the pod, Rapid Vienna, Mulder and Dundalk are not very good teams. So he's he's playing he against. He done well against Tottenham for. He done okay, yeah, yeah. Listen, but that was to be fair. That was just more him showing the passion and the fight that we wanted from an Arsenal team, more so than the quality. Regardless of the, the the result against the Burnley team, on a different day it could have been easily three two of three nil to us. Of course it could have. He played well in that position again for me against Burnley. The only person that let down that team, and I despise this guy, and I can't wait for him to leave the club. It's Chaka. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I feel with you on that one. He's overstayed his welcome at this club. You know what? I the, the was... fact that we've signed Partey now. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent has got me feeling confident that we can't play both of them at the same time. So Chaka yeah. has to. Do you be know going. what the worst thing was? Yeah, I remember I looked at a couple of old YouTube videos I did. It was like last season at some point. I can't remember what game it was, but the headline of the video is Chaka is becoming a liability. That was a year ago. That might have even been before the Crystal Palace game where he threw his shirt off and swore to the crowd. But I, you know, every fan can see his limitations. He can't turn on the ball. And you know, a funny thing was, yeah. His decision making is very But you know, the funny thing is, yeah. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were saying that for for Xhaka, where his passes have become sideways, he's not even looking for the forward pass. Is that solely down to him? Or is it the fact that we are not even giving him any options? Because look... If you go back and watch the Burnley game, you know, you can try and do it as if you can. But you watch William. 
He gets the ball, he passes it to Bellerin, he stands still, he doesn't even make a run mm. forward. Similar with... Um, but the thing is, with Saka, listen, if I'm, I'm not going to criticise Saka that, as much. In, on the grounds to the Bellerin one, it looked like he was playing centre-mid a lot of the time. Yeah, or Bellerin. Burn, yeah, oh, yeah he, was. Burnley, he was basically playing centre-mid. The thing is... You just kept seeing him cutting yeah. in, standing on the edge of the box. I know. And I'm the thinking... Thing, the thing is, with that, yeah, listen, Burnley are a shit team. Let's be honest, they are fucking rubbish. We just probably is just not that very good right now ourselves. Burnley couldn't create anything against us. They created that one chance, and that was again because Bellerin didn't step up. Yeah, the rest he, of the fence you saw step up, Bellerin stayed back, which meant Chris Wood was onside. Yeah. If he'd have stepped up with them, it'd have been offside regardless of whether he scored or not. The problem is we can't create chances right now. So I can understand why he put Bellerin a bit further forward. I can understand why Saka kept basically drifting wherever he wanted to, which allowed Tierney all the time in the world to down the left-hand side. The problem is with, and I said this with Xhaka, look, he can't play a ball forward anymore. He just doesn't pick up anybody. But now I'm looking at it, and I'm, I listen to the podcast, like I said, and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, rah, we're just not giving him any options at all. I watched, um, there's a there's a YouTube clip of him um, basically springing balls left, right and centre at Arsenal, forward to basically forward runners, whether it was Phil Walker at the time or whether it was Ozil or Sanchez or Aubameyang when he first come in. And you're like, right, where the hell has this gone? But we don't create enough chances for them to, to for him to even do that. So he looks up. I told you, I, there's you know, no I watch movement. Him. I watch him and I'm looking. He looks up for the ball and he looks at it and he stops. And it's like, Shh, there's no one to pass it. I'll pass it sideways or backwards. The problem with him, I want him to just basically pick the ball up and just ping it left, right and centre if he can. He just can't. I feel sometimes, I understand like there's, there's no options for him, but where he's got that ball, he could just... Ping it forward, like you said. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Put your striker in a bit of pressure. Just ping the ball forward. Force yeah. him to run. But instead of doing that, you're scared. Oh, we're gonna lose possession. Yeah. So let me just pass. And the problem with Shaka is because no, he, he's not risk. he's not agile enough. That if he was the one that basically lost possession, you know full well he he's, can't get back quick enough. He's giving away the free kick. He's getting booked. Yes, all the time. I was at the North London derby last season, the, the one at home where we drew two two. Yeah. He gave away the penalty for us to go 2-0 down. Yeah. He had no right, no reason to, to go in for that challenge. I remember that. He was going nowhere. I, I remember yeah. who was it on. I think it was on Ericsson. Yeah, yeah in, the, in the corner so. where he just slid in, wasn't it? Yeah. There was no need for it. You're going away from... But and that's the thing, yeah, where I said, and I'm going to reference now Bellerin. I don't know where his head has gone. I've done a YouTube video. Unfortunately, the copyright of the video meant I couldn't put out the clip that I wanted to. You know that? Remember that clip against um, Chelsea? Where Pedro, who's at the time he's in his prime, quick running yeah. through on goal, Bellerin just fing, like flipping Marco, he comes in and slides him because he had the pace. Yet, yeah, albeit he's had his injuries, had his knee injuries, ankle injuries, so that's going to take some strain off you. But he, he thought he still has that. He still thinks he has that. He and he's the one that gave away the free kick, which led to the corner, which led to their goal. It all stemmed from him in the corner of the bloody pitch, thinking, I'm going to get the ball here. So, Rather than just standing up against your man and saying, all right, cool. Listen, if you, you can beat me, beat me. If you can't, you drop on. You drop Bellerin. Well, Bellerin's suspended anyway, thankfully. Thankfully, he's suspended. So Him and Xhaka. Thankfully, we ain't going to see them two in. Lineups for tomorrow. Leno and goal, obviously. Leno and goal, obviously. So I was, I was two in and throwing because, you know, since when we went to that back three yeah, after Project Restart, after the Brighton defeat, we lost only two games. Mm. And we played, what, 15 games after that? So we lost only two games playing with the back three. And I said, and I tweeted it the other day. I said, we should go for a 3-5-2. We should have a Bamiang and Lacazette through the middle, right wing back of Maitland-Niles, left wing back of Tierney, or Saka, sorry. 
and just allow them the license to go up and down that wing and have two pe two people with Lacazette and Aubameyang in the box at all times. So if you're going to try and if we're going to try with the crosses, get them in there. With a midfield three, as again, as much as I don't want them in there, we ain't got no choice. But I would personally have El Neni, Sabios, and Emil Smith Rowe in there. Really? Have him in there. If we're gonna, even if we're gonna have two of us, uh, El Neni and Sabios holding, and Smith Rowe being the link man between them and the wing backs, fine. We then have Louise, Gabriel, and Tierney as our three centre backs. But I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll go for a back four. So does he sacrifice having Cedric at right back, who? You know, again, that's baffling, baffling signing because he's not been in a single Premier League matchday squad. It was a free signing and it was just... It was a four-year free signing where you could just, just said, look, why don't we just give that to him? Why don't we just invest Ainsley Maitland-Niles in, into that right-back position? Why don't we do that? Because he's athletic, he's strong, he's powerful, he's got the legs, he can run with the ball and back. You know, he's better than Bellerin at right-back and Bellerin's a fucking right-back. Ains made an hour as a centre midfielder and he's better right back than Bellerin is. Invest your time into him. If we do start with Cedric, which I have a feeling we might. I, we put, I, I, I believe yeah, strongly we Then will. we put Maitland-Niles in the middle alongside Sabayos. Him, Sabayos. So, and where do you play Pepe? Right wing. Drop Lacaz uh, Drop William. Fuck him off somewhere. Get him off the team. He's shit. He's terrible. He's, there's, I'm sick and tired of... Ex-Chelsea players coming to um, Arsenal. Arsenal and using it as a retirement mm. home. Sick and tired of it. Czech did it, Louise is doing it, and now Willian is doing it. I'm sick and, and tired of them using us. We have players going from Arsenal we, to, Chelsea. to Chelsea. Who are going and being successful and making it big. And, and then thanking us. Exactly. But um, I wasn't for Giroud leaving the club. I wasn't. Listen, if I had the choice now, if we could go back... If we I've could see the future and go back in time, I'd rather fuck Lacazette off and keep Giroud and have a Bamiang in. Lacazette was six him. months into his Arsenal. No, no, no. At the time. I know, but I'm saying if you're looking at it now and you say, yeah. "Oh, what would I do if I go back now?" I would have kept Giroud. Giroud was a lot better. Well, considering the fact Lacazette that we, is. considering the fact that we bloody, um, I always liked Giroud at Arsenal. So did I. I'm gonna be complete. I always said this. Aubameyang was never Giroud's replacement. No, he was still Walcott's. Well, Sanchez's. He was Sorry, always Sanchez's. Sanchez's replacement. Yeah. The fact that we used Giroud yeah. to get we should look. That's that January we got rid of Walcott, Giroud, and Sanchez. We bought in Mkhitaryan um, and Aubameyang. We bought in two players to replace three. Do you know? I used, I got excited when we got rid of Walcott. Uh, Awobi, I was actually getting excited. I was thinking, yeah, we're getting rid of the dead wood from our team. But, but all we we've done... He's got rid of creativity. Is we replaced so-called dead wood now with, with, the age, with aging wood. With yeah. Aging wood. The problem is... Yeah, we've so gone for oak. Yeah, basically. The problem is, yeah, we've got rid of Theo Walker and Alex Awobi and Mkhitaryan, albeit... You know, they weren't great for us, let's be fair. We but got good money all, from them. Yeah, we did, but they were all three of them were creative players. Mm. You know, Mkhitaryan can have the worst game possible where he bang up with two assists. Same with Walcott, same with Awobi. We've replaced them with Willian and no one else. We haven't replaced any of Pepe. them. Because Pepe, yeah, but Pepe's not, you know, flipping, building up any trees at the moment. And we've, re we've, re we've replaced all of that creativity with nothing. We've got no creativity in this side whatsoever. And that falls down to the board. That falls down to the bloody Sanye using that money for the It got falls for down, but Arteta's... I know he says the reason he's not playing Ozil or he hasn't put Ozil in his team is for footballing reasons. That being the case, do you, one, do you even believe that? Do you believe he doesn't? He hasn't played him for football reasons? If he hasn't played him for footballing reasons... 
the board should look into him and say to him, you're, you're telling me you're lacking creativity. You've got someone that we're paying 350,000 per week. Because he's not coming back to defend, you're going to cut your nose just to spite your face. Yeah. You're going to say, because you don't defend, I'm not going to play you. Therefore, we're not going to create chances anymore. We're gonna still suffer. Look, there's, there is more than there is more than just that factor. We all know that. Come on, we all we all know that there's something to do with the the incidents with with, with China. There's something to do with the fact that Özil will speak out about it and Arsenal straight away distance where, themselves. From this it. is where I actually start to lose respect for Arteta because now what you're doing, you're doing what Wenger's been doing all these years. You're defending the, and backing the board. Mm. And all they're doing is they're not doing you any favours. No. Because you, they didn't sign your player, that your didn't. creative player, back exactly. in the summer. They didn't, no. They didn't sign him. So now, right now, all these bad results are falling down. On your head. On your head, because you're the one that's in the hot seat. I think, you know what, I genuinely think there is definitely something in the fact that um, he's not playing Ozil because of his work ethic. Listen, don't get me wrong. It's not like the rest of the players are showing work ethic. However, when he first came into the side here, you saw everyone busting a gut, chasing down every single I understand. And that. I saw Ozil doing that too. I understand that. But the problem My is... My thing is, if I've got a creative player, yeah. I know your job is to create goals for me. Why am I asking you to come back and defend? 100%. I'm not going to ask you to come back but and defend. But do you think the fact that he was at Man City, the fact that... Hear me out. The fact that he was at Man City, he had the likes of David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, and now Bernardo Silva, who, you know, are on the same level, if Those not a little bit lower players. or a bit better than us, or whatever you want to say, however you, you know, judge that scale. But those are the three players, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, would bust their gut. And you've seen the De Bruyne recently. He's the one that makes the tackles in the box, but he can start the run. The problem is, Urza was never that type of player. So there's no point for me in trying to get that out of him. You if he's never work. been that, listen, you as Arteta, you've played alongside Ozil. You've seen what Ozil can do when you're a player. You know full well if you say to Ozil, you know, get your ass back, run back, tackle it. He's, he's not gonna, that player. He's gonna, you're gonna see him jog back of very course. slowly. So to say to him, you know, don't get me wrong, listen, he's in the latter years of his Arsenal career. So what's the point for me personally, yeah, in building a team around him, getting the team playing the best football you can play? Mm. Building it around him only for him to leave in that summer. I listen. I'm not saying he should be dropped completely. I'm, but I don't think necessarily you say you build the team around him because in 12 months' time, all you're doing is basically saying I've still got to fix the problem, which is f- finding a replacement for him. Okay, cool. Ozil's st- been. Let's say go back to uh, the summer where the season started. Ozil's been in the team. Odd results, different. Yeah, hundred percent. 100% because, again, you're, you cater your team more so to him. You put him in the Lacazette role, but you don't ask him to do the work he's doing. If you have, you know, Party and Elneny, let's say, for argument's sake, as your two central midfielders there with Ozil in front or Ozil to sort of float around, you're then allowing them to to do your, your dogged work because Elneny can press. We've seen him press against United in the 94th minute, running around and forcing them into mistakes. He can do that job. We've seen Partey be the, the man who can link the defence into the attack. He could easily be the man that linked the defence to Ozil and Ozil can be the man who finds, whether it's William making a run or Tierney making a run, Saka, Bellerin, whoever it is, he can be the man to find them. So yes, I do think that they would be different, but I also think 
we would still struggle to create chances because the problem is right now we are coming up against teams who are playing a low block against us and springing us. Leicester did it. Wolves have done it. Villa, no, Villa didn't do it. Villa actually played us off the park all 90 minutes. But Tottenham did it. You know, for all intents and purposes of, of how much credit they're getting, Tottenham basically did what Mourinho has always done against Arsenal, where he sits in deep, waits for us to make a mistake and counters us. And it works for and It works. No, no, no. I'm not criticising it. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm a strong believer of I don't care how you win, just go out there and win. I'd, I'd rather play, I'd rather win playing ugly football then lose playing beautiful football. Listen, look, we were criticised back in the early 90s, the late 80s, early 90s, being called boring, boring Arsenal. One nil we to the Arsenal. Yeah, under George Graham, because mm. all he did was win one nil games. But it was successful. We beat everyone. We won the league doing that. Now, the problem is, the modern fan now, especially the modern Arsenal fan under the Wenger, listen, we were blessed with Wenger's football when he first came in. You know, we were winning football with style and with ease. And if we had to do the dogged work, we could. I was, I was always confident sorry I was always confident if we went down to 10 men under Wenger we could actually grind out a result with him um, because we would still we always have the ball and they would still be frustrated and what we would do is we would play it around let them come in towards us and we would spring one over the top every time it happened you know Wenger had a really horrible record in terms of um, red cards but I guarantee if you look at those games where we got a red card 9 times out of 10 we probably won those games you know, I'd have to actually look properly back into it. But, you know, I remember us going down to 10 men lots of times, but still coming coming away with 65% of the ball. I remember we went down to 10 men against Bayern. That was, that was one of the games we lost. 5-1. Five, five, yeah. Yeah, but that was that was when Bayern were just coming into their own, isn't it? That was... Listen, that was... That just, was another embarrassment look, look in at itself. The, you know what? Look at the Barcelona game. Look at the Barcelona Champions League final. We went down to 10 men in, what, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. We still dominated that game. We should have we won that game. We were 13 minutes away from winning the Champions League. You know what? I'm not going to say, I'm not going to criticise the King, but Henri bottled that final, is not Let's be fair. But listen, I'm going to move on from all this chat because I want to quickly just delve into something with you personally, yeah? So obviously we, my brother-in-law, both of them, your cousin, they're both United fans. Growing up, you're an Arsenal fan. Growing up, they were United fans. Did you ever have any influence? Or did they ever have any influence on you to potentially become a Man United fan? Growing up, we weren't that close. Was you not? Well, my friend, like I wasn't that close with them. Okay. There was a few years of difference between us, so yeah. I never really chilled with them like that. Okay. It's only the last five, six years we've okay. been starting yeah, to yeah. chill. So that's oh, when no. that's when I come into the picture. I've been in the family now for seven years. Yeah. That's so a, that's a lot, man. Well, six years, six and a half years. Um, but. I'm glad that they're going through the same as we're going through, just not on the grand scale, because they know. I feel their thing is they've got. A, I think they've got a decent team. I'm not going to deny United's team. They've got a decent they've team. Got a lot more creativity than us. I feel their biggest thing is they need to get rid of Oli, but I hope they don't get rid of him. You know what? Soon. Listen, yeah, I said this to both of them. If Arteta was their manager, they'd be top of the table. Personally, listen, you've uh, got but, listen, see, you've got Pogba. I wait, understand. Wait, that. wait, you've got Pogba, Bruno, Van der Beek. You've got fast players in Rashford, Martial, Greenwood. With that much creativity and with that much youth athleticism, hundred percent he's getting a lot more out of them players than he's than getting a lot more out of them players. Hundred percent he's getting a lot more out of them players. I don't disagree with that. But to say for me, Arteta has extremely overachieved at Arsenal. Of course he has. Especially with the type, the club, the, the team he has. Yeah. He's a young, how old is he? 38, 39? 38. No, he's 38, he's 38 yeah. years old. How old is Ibrahimovic? He's just, he's, he's the same, same age as Ibra. Age as Ibra. Bro, yeah, younger, yeah, yeah, 100%. He's the same age as Ibrahimovic who's still playing football 
got his team top of the table in Syria. Yep. Uh, yep. Which, I, by the way, everyone that knows me said knows I don't rate Syria. Uh, I, see, I class it as the European MLS. Well, listen, we're going to get your brother on, who's a Juventus fan at some point, um, to discuss, you know, the Serie A and why he's so obsessed with Serie A and why he thinks the Serie A is the best. But we'll leave that one for another time. We'll leave that for another time. Back um, to the point of Arteta's oh, young. He's a 38-year-old manager. He's to say he will be top of the table with that team. Okay, that's that's a step above. Yeah, I get that. I feel like that's just taking it too far. He's he's still learning. He's still growing. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Listen, hundred percent. And you know what? Look, he's extremely overachieved to win two trophies massively in massively, his first massively. six seven months. His problem right now is, and we're going to wrap this up very shortly. But his problem right now is the fact that he keeps picking the same players who keep letting him down, and that's where his problem is lying. And I really, really hope he has the balls and you know the the attitude and whatever it is to just say to these players look you're playing shit and i said this in my youtube video if it was up to me right now i'd even drop a bamiang because the problem with a bamiang right now as much as i love him as much as i really really want him to start scoring again he knows full well he's the best player at this club he knows full well that the goals will come from him but he also knows that the fact that his ego is that big he knows i'm not going to get dropped so, regardless of how I'm playing, and listen, yeah, we've said that he's not getting enough service. I get that. No, my thing his is... The problem is he's he knows for what he's not going to get dropped, so he doesn't... Is Aubameyang a captain to you? No, he's not. Not in the slightest. But then the problem is, look, you know, in hindsight, we can all look at, say, this person should be captain or this person, and we can all watch the videos of Kieran Tierney coming out... Kieran Tierney's still young. I yeah, feel like Kieran Tierney, given listen, time... He can, give, he can be captain in three, four years' time. I believe he could. I believe not. I, don't is, even, I wouldn't say three, four years. I believe. Well, two, three years time then. Yeah. But the problem as is, soon as who is captain material at a club? That's my point. We haven't got. That's my point. And the problem is, Do you know who's United's captain is for me? Bruno. Yes. The guy's mentality yeah. is elite. He Listen, is a winner. The problem. He will, you see him shouting at his teammates. You see him going back to do everything. He is a captain. He leads yes. by example. The problem is, when things are going wrong for us, yeah. the guy he just sits down. Just he just yes. look at him. He it's look. It's as if he feels sorry for himself. It's like watching Gallas at Birmingham all over again. The problem is, and people will laugh, and we, we're not going to go into a discussion on this, but I'll just leave it here. The problem is, the two players that you look at that can be captains for this football club is. As much as I really don't want to say it, it's Granite Xhaka and Hector Bellerin. And I hate, hate, hate the fact that I'm going to even nearly say those two. But those two, and the fact that, uh, you know, Xhaka will be the one who can put himself forward, will be the one who, who will show himself on the pitch and similar to Bellerin. But then the problem becomes with Xhaka, he becomes more of a bully than a leader. He, mm. he becomes, he thinks he's the hard man. Look at him against, you know, Westwood pulled him away to get him away from the trouble. If that's me, I'm leaving him to it. Yeah. I know you're going to get yourself sent off for being a fucking retard. But, politically correct, being an idiot. But he is a bully. That's all Xhaka is. You know, Westwood pulls him away because he doesn't want to get him in trouble. So what he does, he grabs him around the throat. Yeah. You're not a hard man. Go sit down. You're an idiot. And then Bellerin... As, as much as listen I like hugger. Bellerin I like Bellerin I don't as like a Bellerin. person but as a footballer his time at Arsenal should be done and we should it be should ruthless enough ruthless enough to say you're not good enough for this football club we're going to invest in someone else will the club do it will the club do it so look like when Arteta said five or six players that are that he needs I'm looking at the players he trusts Leno Gabriel Partey Abamyang, Tierney, and Martinelli. 
Those six Can you say he trusts Martinelli? Well, I think he he definitely will. I definitely think he can. Okay, let's take to, let's take Martinelli out. That's still five players. Maybe he trusts Bellerin because he knows him from his playing time. Yeah, he knows when... what he can do, but he's not showing it at all. So yeah, I think Bellerin's position is is at risk at Arsenal. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just whether or not he does it. And I said this to you before. You've signed him to a three-year contract. You can't turn around and say, oh, I'm not going to play him no more. But the problem is then you, you've got to turn around at some point and say you're not playing well enough. You've got to be dropped. Yeah, he's, he's not. got to drop him. But then at the same time, you can't turn around and say he can't get rid of William because of the money that we're pay- the club is paying William. Listen, if somebody's, no one's happy to come, wanna... if somebody's happy to come in and say, look, we'll, we'll take him off your hands. Just give it to us for a free transfer, but we'll cover his wages. I'll happily say yes. Without a shadow of a doubt, I'll happily say yes. Because I don't even care if we get a fee for him because no one's going to give us a big fee for William. Let's mm. be honest. Um, the problem is, my thing is, I'm going to wrap it up shortly. <clears throat> if he starts William against Southampton, that's when I will start to question exactly what is this manager doing? Because he said it before, he said it before loads of times. I'm going to pick players who are on form. I'm going to pick players who I can trust, who are going to get the best out of them. And then he picks a player like Willian who doesn't show anything of sort of any... The problem is with Willian, he's got three, three Premier League assists for us. He's, he's our you know most assist maker this season. I, I think Bellerin as well. So you're looking at those two as uh, two of our worst players this season. Let me tell you something. But those two are the players who have got our best assists. Uh, it's like, you know, don't get me wrong. I've said this before. Stats don't show everything. Numbers don't show everything. But you look at that and say, well, where else is our creativity coming from? I want to show you a stat. Liverpool... Joint top of the league, you can say joint top, yeah. there's level one points. Yeah. 27 goals in 12 games. Arsenal, we're 17th in terms of goals this season. We've got 10 goals. I know. Do you know what's crazy? Mm. Two, three weeks ago, I swear to God, us, I think it was right before the United game, I'm not certain, right before the United game. United, Arsenal and City were all on nine, nine goals each. Yeah, I know. We were all on nine goals each. We're now on 10. United are on 19 Premier League goals. I know. We were all on nine together. It shows you. Our only goals come against Wolves when for that, for that for that five minutes after Wolves scored, we actually said, you know what? This is embarrassing now. Let's go and show something. And we scored. Other than that, nothing. Other than that, nothing. And listen, I'm going to leave it there. We're going to drop it there because... You know, we could go into this all day, but we'll have a, obviously you're going to come back on at some point. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on. No problem. This has been the very first. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, obviously, like I said, you can find it on all all platforms, wherever you get your, your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of the above. Um, if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the channel. Please like, share, and you know, tell your friends and family about this. Um, but until next time, this is Kringle Talks Football. I will see you again soon. Peace.